The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. of conversations and as a lot of you guys know uh my website gatekeepersonline.com i've i've slowly been adding on more contributors that way we can have uh more voices and kind of encourage that and so our guest with this episode is one of our contributors uh he, he goes by shoe or Schumann on the website and so welcome to conversations and glad we could sit down and just kind of chat and get to know you a little bit yeah, definitely good to be here. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. And so, uh, you know, like, would love to kind of start out a little bit with, uh, you know, where you're coming from, your testimony, how God saved you, that sort of thing, and then we can kind of get into some of the issues that are that are going on and that we're kind of facing within the church and that sort of thing. So, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as I guess I stated in my profile, if you take a moment to read it or anything like that, I grew up in a godly Christian family. You know. Um, Parents were both Christians. Not not too much struggles with growing up for the most part. I mean, uh, lived on a little farm for kind of growing up a little bit, and uh, Dad had to ask twice, "You better be running." <laughs> so it was just he was always, uh, you know, taught me. I guess with my all my papers have been on just being a man and stuff like that. So raising me up with godly character and trying to be a man that served, uh, went to college then and figured, figured I knew what I wanted to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I stressed that I figured out what I needed to do with my life. Went to college, I was going to get a degree in, uh, civil engineering and it was going to be awesome. And ended up showing up there and got into a, a bit of trouble. Things weren't really going my way. And I was like, no, this is going to work out. I'm going to make this happen. And, uh, I just, everything that ended up hitting my dad didn't want me to go to the college that I went to. It's a far away. It's really expensive. I'm a big hockey nut. So I wanted to go for the hockey and Mm -hmm. they have a really engineering program. And I made up in my mind that that's where I was going to go. Well, um, about halfway through the semester, I got really sick with mono Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's not just a little bit of coughing. I passed out in the bathroom of the dorm room, had my buddies carry me down three flights of stairs. Luckily I was in the hockey dorm. So I Mm -hmm. had some, some nice gentlemen to carry me down. Yeah. (laughs) And then me in the back of a pickup and took me to the hospital. And then uh, the hospital told me I needed to get off campus. Well, being as it was halfway through the year, I was no longer able to finish my finals. So um, I was unable to return and kind of hit me real hard i was like well this is obviously not going to happen i knew how to weld and threw me into that started doing some little small stuff around you know and i kind of fell away toward that period because i was like well if this isn't working out for me you know nothing's gonna work out for me so i'm just gonna do my own thing i guess so i went into the work field you know and the, the people you meet in the workforce aren't always 
although it can be not the greatest, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, mentorship would be right. the correct word. <laughs> so, you know, I got into a lot of the rough stuff, um, drinking drugs, all that stuff was, became really prevalent. Um, and uh, as long as I was making a good paycheck, I didn't care about anything else that was going on. Um, the oil boom hit, got involved with the oil field, worked in the oil field, got uh, college paid off, all that good stuff, and bought a house, had some guys move in with me, you know, again, probably not the, the greatest um, support I could have had, and really uh, fell away, I uh, seemed to lose like a lot of emotion, whatever happened, kind of just happened, and I didn't care one way or the other, I was like, well, this is just the way it's going to be. And then the oil left and uh, ended up being let go from the job that I was at. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, this sucks. And I have nothing to go to, nowhere to turn and all that stuff. And I remember I showed up at um, my church that I went to. Mm -hmm. Like, I really bad about going. And I think that was part of it, too, is I didn't have that support because once you end up stop going, you lose the the group of people that were with you that held you together and, you know, kind of coached you, kept after you. And after that happened, uh, so I went back and I pretty much fell apart and I was like, Hey, I need to get my life back. Right. And so give me a few verses to read a few books to read. And that kind of, uh, got me on the right path, I guess, for the most part and mm-hmm. picking up a sweet, or a, a job that I was expecting to just be a part-time job and ended up being the career I kind of have now. Okay. And uh, it ended up being in the field that I ended up going to college for oh. <laughs> and never finished getting a degree. So yeah, it ended up kind of came coming full circle there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was totally a God thing. I mean, as soon as I realized that my life wasn't meant to be in my control and that this was meant to be like, my life was meant to be given to Christ. And every mo- moment that I, breather that I, you know, live and I'm awake, I should be giving back to him. And the more I kept doing that, the more things ended up turning to turn out. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, the second you decide to make that, everything's going to be easy and roses. Right. But when things happen in your life, like when uh, my job moved me um, across the state and when I moved, uh, moved away from the girl that I'm now married to for eh, just about nine months and then... Mm-hmm. Um, sewer line collapsed in the house couldn't sell the house because the oil dropped out no yeah. one sell. so it was like oh but you know what god's in control of all this so i don't even have to worry about it it's fine everything's going to take care of itself mm-hmm. and it just does and uh that was like i think that whole attitude just really helps with that whole sort of situation so i started doing that and then i was like gosh i i just have to do something and uh i listened to a gentleman by the name of brandon house and he gave a sermon on being a being a man. Mm-hmm. And oh, if you keep waiting for somebody to step up to the plate and get out there and do something, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. So it's up to the young men of our generation to be able to step up, you know, I guess carry the flag and keep moving forward mm-hmm. and to be the coaches to our younger generations and stuff like that. So that kind of hit me really hard. I started doing a lot more research. I started looking into things, events of the day. Um, and it opened my eyes to how corrupt society is and how just, I mean, our culture is so messed up, man. You know, yeah. that's all that's going on. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, 
you know, it normally starts with the younger youth, you know, so I got to get out there and I got to start doing stuff. So I wrote papers to um, a few different people. And then that was when you reached out to me and we kind of talked a little bit and I was a little on the fence about it. I was, mm-hmm. I was excited, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to jump headlong into this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my little brother got married then. So I went to his wedding and one of our old family friends was there and I was kind of telling him about it. And I was like, yeah, but I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I have the knowledge quite yet. And he's like, shoot, if you wait long enough or if you wait to get that knowledge, you'll never be there. You'll never start doing any of this. Right. So I was like, all right. So that kind of hit me real hard. And that's when I contacted you. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So totally. I'm just along for the ride now. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and I think that one of the things that I've kind of learned, because I've had a lot of people that are like, you know, you shouldn't get involved with anything until you've gone to seminary, until you've gotten your degrees, until you're an ordained minister with elders and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, but but at the certain at a certain point, what I've kind of learned is that, you're constantly thinking through what you believe when you're writing or when you're conversing with people. Like it's constantly being either being reinforced or changing what you believe. And so like, to me, it's, I'm totally with you in the sense of like, you're just kind of like working through it all and trying to figure it out as you go along to a certain degree. Absolutely. And I, I would like to think I'm a logical sort of person. (laughs) So as soon as I get into an argument or um, a confrontation of anything, it forces you to grow because I'm not just going to believe something because I believe it. I need um, facts, substance, history, whether it lines up with what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Does, you know, does, it, does it fit the context of what is being said at that period of time? I need all those things. And if somebody asks me a question and I don't know, I'm not just going to re- rebuttal them and with nonsense. I'm, I want to look into that thing, and it's going to help me to grow my knowledge and my experience. So. Yeah, I'm I'm new to this. I'm not an expert yeah. by any means, but uh, at the same point in time, it's uh, forcing me to research and know that stuff and uh, spread my knowledge. Then from there on out, mm-hmm. so yeah, because I because I know like even even for me too, um, you know, kind of before I really kind of jumped in, and Bran- Brandon's actually the one that really got me into like podcasting and writing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that has really helped me is interacting with people because a lot of times what happens is like you might say something that I had never thought of before and then and then now I have to process that information I have to figure out okay is this going to change what I believe or is it going to reinforce what I believe you know and right. you it's this constant kind of mental exercise and I think what what has happened kind of to a certain degree within the church that I've noted with in the overall church that I've noticed is that everybody's always in their own little bubbles and they only yep. talk to their own little bubbles, and then they yell and scream at other people's little bubbles all the way over there. And it's just like at a certain point, we can disagree, and yeah. truth is truth, but we still got to talk it through because that's the only way we're going to learn. It's going to be coupled with reading God's word and conversing and discussing the issues. And then we kind of rationalize and get down to, okay, what do we actually believe is true? And so, you know, welcome to the journey because it'll, it'll definitely be fun. Okay. <laughs> Exactly. And it's, uh, it's, it's so funny. It's being able to, and that's, uh, living where I live. Everybody is so like-minded here Mm -hmm. politically and kind of in the church. I mean, there's a lot of churches that I really feel have just been downtrodden. They want to put on more of a show than what they want to actually preach and, you know, be, be a spiritual leader to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, so being able to reach out and, uh, talk with people like 
social media is just great. Being able to talk to somebody, you know, from California, Tennessee, East Coast, West Coast, down South, you get all these different views and you can get where other people are thinking. And if you understand, you don't necessarily have to agree, but if you understand where someone is coming from, it allows you to put yourself inside their shoes to maybe describe your point of view in a way that they would understand it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if where I'm from, you know, if I'm from the moon and the sky is black, how am I ever going to describe this, you know, how is somebody from Earth ever going to describe to me how the sky is blue unless I put myself in their shoes? Right, exactly. It's just not going to happen. So I think uh, that's something that's just been so lost today is, well, I see it this way, and then the other person sees it the other way. And we just want to scream our points and repeat ourselves over and over and over again. We're not able to sit down and have that conversation. So, hey, man, if you would just, you know, look at this. Oh, well, that's not the way I interpreted it. Okay, well, let's go back and see the context in which it was written. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, not only do I think that that's happened with the Bible, but I think it's happened with the Federalist Papers. It's mm -hmm. happened with, you know, the Constitution. Well, surely it can't mean that. Yeah, it doesn't mean that now, but the Constitution wasn't written now. It was mm -hmm. written that yeah. so i think that's that's a big flaw in today's everybody's so trigger happy oh yeah for sure i think yeah it's just kind of like they just want to throw a bomb and they just let it all explode as opposed to let's just yeah. let's deal with this you know so yeah well exactly and i think people are addicted to making other people mad that's yeah there, there is that addiction yeah <laughs> oh definitely man it's i mean twitter's horrible for it oh yeah for sure destroy you it's awesome. oh yeah Oh yeah, I, I've definitely been at the receiving end of that quite quite often. So <laughs> I haven't noticed any of that. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, and, and so you had mentioned that um, that Brannon's uh, talk on you know man, biblical manhood uh, was really kind of what kind of brought you along with all of this. And then you know your first two articles that you wrote on Gatekeepers Online, um, you know, were specifically on that topic. So what what has what has kind of brought you along within that to understand, okay, what's biblical manhood and kind of describe your take on it, you know? Oh man. So, um, this is really crazy. So, um, from a small town, you know, everybody has to work hard in order to like, it's just a part of life. Everybody just kind of does it. But then, uh, moved to a little bit of a bigger city and you know, ambitions kind of low or, um, I got a buddy who moved to, uh, a bigger city out West. And he's like, I told him I was from, you know, I was from the Dakotas and all of a sudden they hired me on the spot. It's because of that work ethic. You know, they just mm -hmm. said, yeah, we'll take you. Yeah. And that kind of hit me hard. I was like, holy crap, you know, and then you start talking to other people and uh, they're like, well, I deserve this or I deserve that. And I was like, no, that's not the case. Well, why isn't it the case? Well, you should have to work for it. Okay. Well, what precedent are you standing that on? Mm-hmm. No, oh, so I actually have to have a foundation for all this. All right. Well, then I started digging it. It didn't take me long, and I'm a slow reader, so it's good. But mm -hmm. in Genesis, right away, for off the bat, um, God gives a commandment for us to rule over, you know, the birds, the plants, the animals, and everything like that. He wasn't just like, oh, you know, here's all this vegetation. Go for it. You know, I mean, we were meant to tend and to take care of that. And that kind of hit me really hard. Um I mean, it was that foundation that set up the work ethic. I mean, God wants you to to have a sense of pride, to have a sense of purpose. You need we aren't just here to veg out and 
play video games or watch Netflix. Mm -hmm. You know, as great as those things are or not, yeah, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they uh, they're things you do to relax. Your main purpose. You need to have that drive because if you lose that drive, you lose all sense of worth. And I think that's got to be like a, a huge contributor to. We're seeing a huge uprising in suicide, and um, you know. I'm not, I don't have kids yet, but I know my dad and his dad before him, why did he work so hard? He worked so hard so that he could set up that foundation for his son. Mm -hmm. And then my dad worked his butt off to set up my foundation so that I could have many opportunities. Well, I think for some people, it gets to the point where you get so many opportunities, you're so used to having stuff handed to you that essentially you just lose the whole, you didn't have to work for it. So why does it matter? Mm -hmm. Oh, and I think that, that just becomes a, a detriment to then your future. Cause once the real world hits you or real world hits you, it hits you pretty hard. Oh yeah. It's, it's hard to wake up from that and begin to work. And a lot of people just don't, they lose all ambition mm -hmm. and it's cause they weren't raised with that. So, right. A hundred percent, you know, and, and, you know, for me, you know, gr the, the way that I grew up, you know, cause I grew up out in Arizona and, you know, I, I had sports where that kind of that teaches you hard work and that teaches you kind of leadership yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, but outside of sports, there wasn't really a whole lot of that. Just grind it out. And let's go work and let's go do this. And so I kind of had to learn, learn on the fly. And then, you know, sure. after I got married, moved out to California, everything is just so high paced and every, everything's so competitive out here, even though it's yeah. crazy liberal. But everybody's competing for the same jobs and competing, you know, trying to get their movies made or trying to get this made or that made or whatever it is. And it's like you almost have to adopt that kind of either entrepreneurial mindset or yep. just get out and hustle and just go get the thing done. And I feel like that's that's missing in the, in the church, in the country, you know, overall, yep. except in like certain little pockets. So so, yeah, that's de that's definitely a major issue that kind of needs to be addressed overall. Definitely. And uh, I like how you brought it up with the church and stuff, too, because um, I really think that that's a lot of pastors have just become lazy, mm -hmm. to be frank. You yeah. know, <laughs> well, hey, I know that this sermon draws a lot of people won't mm -hmm. hurt a lot of people's feelings. You know, um, it won't be brash. I can maybe get it, you know, on the TV or attract a younger crowd if we play this kind of music or whatnot. I mean, um, the church that I attend is teaching out of Thessalonians and mm -hmm. just smoked uh, Im uh, immorality on sexuality. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard church is aired on TV. And s some of the people were like, Oh, I wonder what the blowback's going to be like on that. <laughs> but you know what? My pastor doesn't care. Yeah. And I, I respect that, you know, it's, you know, whatever needs to be preached, it needs to be preached. Mm -hmm. That's their accountability. And I think laziness has crept in. And I think a lot of people, I think in young people, I almost want to say, like, I see a revival. Like, people don't want to be – they're looking so much for that spirituality now. They don't want to go to church for a concert anymore. And I think young people are really looking for something that's real and that they can invest in that's logical and, you know, real mm -hmm. rather than something that's just a show. Right. And that I find really encouraging. So because mm -hmm. Yeah, because I feel – because yeah. I, I feel like kind of going off of what you're saying to a certain degree, when you look at kind of like the church growth movement and you look at a lot of the seeker sensitive churches and that sort of thing, I feel like what they're reinforcing to, let's call it the audience, is, yeah. is that you need to be fed. And so we're going to feed you. 
And you know, we're getting the same thing like in the public education system with politics or whatever it is. It's everybody's being reinforced. Okay, what do I get out of this? As opposed yeah. to how can I contribute? And and there's two very different mindsets and two very different um, like motivations there. And so when you have a church full of people where they're just expecting to be fed and then they go home and that's the end of it, it's like – of course you get this laziness. Of course nobody's motivated to try to do anything because they're being re- reinforced that I don't have to do anything. You know, I don't even have to open up the hymnal anymore because this, the words are up on the screen. I don't have to do anything anymore, you know? So yeah. it's like a constant reinforcement of the negative in all reality. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, not being encouraged to read ahead if you know what your pastor's going to preach on next week, not having, you know, that plan out ahead. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, Sweet. I went to church on or on Sunday, so I'm good. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, ah, oh, great. And then, you know, Sunday comes back around, you dust off your Bible, and it's like, all right, got to wake up early on a weekend. Yeah. You know, and it's <laughs> like, it should be so much more than that. And I think that it's been uh, lost, and I think because it's been lost in the church, it's obviously lost our culture, mm-hmm. and I think it's losing, um, you know, even our foundation as a country. I mean, the United States of America is built on Christian Judeo belief system. Mm-hmm. You can see that it's being torn apart at every chance that they get, you know? Um, uh, well, man, I'm going to slaughter her name. Uh-huh. Anastasia <laughs> Cortez. Uh-huh. You know, she's already talking about ripping out the electoral system. Yeah. That's just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you have a collective of so many people that are in a certain specific area— they're all going to kind of have the same mindset, you know, mm-hmm. but you have to take into concept everyone else. And, you know, there's other things that are trying to be underrooted. Uh, I think, you know, the, obviously the conversation with abortion, mm-hmm. it destroys the whole underlining of life. You know, it's, it's sad, but it, the church hasn't taken a stand on it. Right. Why, why, why do you, why do you think the church hasn't taken a stand on it? Um, I would say because it's unpopular mm-hmm. and I would have to say that, uh, it's, it's hard to teach on, you know, uh, nobody, nobody wants to go back from church and be like, Oh, that was pretty rough. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to get that feel good. Oh, you know, that was great. You know, everybody wants to get that vibe and, you know, talking about stuff like that just kind of demoralizes it. But then when you take apart your morals and you stop teaching it, it's not being taught. So then how are people going to know any different? Mm-hmm. And then by the time you're, in your adulthood and somebody all of a sudden tells you, Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. And that other person is more like, I've been doing this my whole life. You don't know anything. I've been doing fine. Well, this is why it's not fine. This is why it's eroding the foundation of, you know, our country or, you know, even our church. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that has a huge part of it. And I think the church is, I think the church is scared to go back to it. And mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, mainly it's, really have to say the popularity yeah yeah for sure and i you know i feel like there's these parallels that are going on between you know politics and entertainment and the church and all this kind of stuff and it's crazy to me how much the church is lining up with kind of the leftist ideals that we're seeing in politics Mm -hmm. like i've and i've and i've said this i feel like i've said this every single podcast but i've i haven't seen this much uh compromise happen in such a short period of time than I have over like the last 12 to 18 months. It's been, yeah. it's been insane. Like I've never, I never would have thought that we'd be accepting, uh, 
homosexuality as perfectly fine within the church or, nope. you know, where pastors are now saying that abortion doesn't really matter. You know, we sh- it, the, the more important thing is getting our favorite, you know, person elected. It's just I've, I've never seen this kind of thing. Like what what's your take on kind of where the church is heading right now with that kind of stuff infiltrating right now? Oh, man, I think it's rampant and I think it's it's only going to go downhill from here. Mm hmm. And I don't see any huge revival coming along just because everybody is too afraid to speak up. Um, you don't have the pastors anymore standing up and being, you know, homosexuality is wrong. It says so right here. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think a big portion of this, and, you know, to add on to my previous question is they don't preach from the scripture anymore. Right. You know, I mean, when we first moved here, you checked out a few churches and, some people didn't even bring their Bibles. He mm. didn't even cite which scripture he's referring to. Oh, great. So now I'm just visiting someone, you know, a therapist. Right. You yeah. know, essentially is what you're doing. And unless you have that foundation and that, you got to get to know your Bible. You got to, you got to go the context in which everything was written, what those people, how they spoke, you know, who were they? And um, there's a lot of meat and it tells you how to live, you know, a life. It tells you your purpose here on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it fulfills, you know, and that's what I think is lost. And I think people are too afraid to go back to it because it's been lost for so long that as soon as you start, I mean, look at how unhinged the left is with, uh, the stuff with, you know, Brett Kavanaugh, right. You know, that's start. No pastor wants that. No pastor mm-hmm. wants that into their family. And I could, that's that's part of it, man. Yeah. I mean, it sucks to say, but yeah, if mm-hmm. you're in that position, you better be ready for it because one day you're going to have to answer for everything that you preach. And if you aren't on course, it's going to be bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so so, so what's, what's your – because I feel now that you brought up the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing, I feel like not only has that divided our country, but it's divided the church now too because you know you're getting people even within churches and denominations that are like picking a side and it's just constantly everywhere we're seeing everybody's picking sides it's causing more division causing creating more friction more fighting more infighting all that kind of stuff what's your take on kind of that whole deal and kind of the response to that i think so when it first happened i was like oh great they're just trotting all this stuff out, throwing accusations at this guy. Mm-hmm. But then I really had to sit back and I had to think about, it. you know what? You got to look at this without any bias. Okay. So I sat down and I was like, all right, so let's wait for the facts to come out. Let's wait for some, you know, for the hearing that was originally going to be called. And mm-hmm. the thing that just drove me nuts was uh, Brett was fine with having the FBI investigate into him. Mm-hmm. He's totally cool with that. So that was like, all right, so why would you do that if, you were guilty, but it right. just didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. And just nothing kept or nothing came up. Her story changed several times. She wouldn't release her therapist notes. And every the thing, it's just that the left wanted to believe someone that had no facts mm-hmm. to back up her story or to back up her claim. And uh, I was like, well, if there was evidence, you know, if, if, if everything pointed to him and that this actually happened, yeah, I'd be on board. He shouldn't be up on there. Right. Okay. Re- or, you know, shouldn't have had the vote. He should have been kicked out. Should have picked a different candidate. 
but it's not. You didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Well, then when I stated that, you know, you, you have no facts, you have no basis. Well, they're like, well, he's not being criminally charged. Yeah. So, well, yeah, but if you guys are going to say that he did this stuff, shouldn't you have something to back that up? Well, he's not being criminally charged. Do you think you should be criminally charged? I was like, where is your basis for whether he did this wrong or right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to basis on something because if you if you have that mentality that sure there's no evidence well it doesn't matter if he has it doesn't have evidence because it's not a criminal trial well then how are you saying he's guilty right that makes no sense exactly the fact that they clung to that so hard and they weren't willing to see um see any other side mm-hmm. i think it's a really sad day for america in yeah. general just that no matter how much evidence was on the opposing side, mm-hmm. nobody was willing to change their side or to open their eyes and be like, hey, you know what? I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, her story is full of baloney or whatnot, you know? Right. And, I mean, I would like to think, and I've done it before because I'm wrong a lot, which is awesome, <laughs> but uh, if, if all the facts were pointing the other way uh, against something that I believed in then obviously I'm wrong and I'm, I would like to admit that, you know, it's just, we've become such a prideful nation. That's so full of, well, I can't possibly be wrong or this isn't pushing my political agenda. Right. So or it can't be correct. And that's, we need to tone down the, um, the whole political rhetoric and try to, sit down on both sides of the aisle, find some common ground too. Mm-hmm. But everyone wants to hold so close to their base that there is no conversations being had. Right. And I think the whole Kavanaugh thing showed without a doubt that nobody wants conversations. At totally. All. Totally. And you know, and I and I think kinda I think kinda going along with that, I think um I feel like everybody is kind of having their their preset worldview, how they look at the world and then and then they and then they look at a situation and and try to fit that situation into their worldview. And so right. like what we saw with the whole Kavanaugh thing was that if you were on the left or you were on the right depended on how you were going to look at that situation. And everybody made their judgment before any facts came. And that kind of goes for the left and the right too. Like everybody oh, you know picked their team and then it was like, okay, now let's wait for the facts. It's like, but you yep. already chose your team. So what? So what's the point of waiting? And as opposed to, I wish that we all had this focus of let's get down to the truth, and then just follow the truth wherever that lies. And oh, I feel I, I feel like that's somewhere we're we're really missing out right now. Yep, and that's yeah, the, that's what drove me nuts about the right too. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't care if he did it. It was when he was like in high school, so it shouldn't matter. No, yeah. that's a pretty big accusation, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, big deal, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, no, you should you should definitely be thrown out. It's like, are you crazy? Like, and these people they're undermining their own base is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the whole Me Too movement that was going around. Okay, yeah, I thought I thought it was dumb just because it was a slogan, right? Mm-hmm. You something as serious as rape or pedophilia or anything like that, something that serious and that big of a crime, as soon as you attach it to a slogan, mm-hmm. it immediately becomes downplayed. Because right. now everybody wants to be a part of that slogan. Everybody wants to have a story. Everybody wants to, oh, I was part of this, or I know someone who was part of this. Everybody wants to signal how important this causes to them. And by doing that, 
they undermine that whole cause, that whole um, what it was meant to do. Um, there was definitely other ways to go around that, that's for sure. And then with this Kavanaugh thing, it's like, you know, they went from, you know, believe women, mm-hmm. believe some women. Well, now you have to believe all women. And that gets into a really dangerous territory. That's you are laying a blanket statement that states women cannot lie. Right. And I mean, that's that's well, what, nuts. Well, what what they're, what they're basing that off of is like is is the statistics, which is which there's a range depending on which stat you look at of anywhere from two to ten percent of accusations of sex. I believe it's of sexual assault are fake. Right. So so the, so what they're playing off of is it's going to be somewhere between 90 and 98% of all claims are true. So they're like more than likely it's going to be it's going to be a true statement. But when you start See? but when you start breaking it down and yeah. you start looking at the numbers, right? On a very low end, the I believe it's the reported um accusations that happen and that's not counting what's not reported, you know, because mm-hmm. that's way higher. But it's something like 30,000 a year, right? If you go yep. with that 10% number, now you have now you're willing to convict 3,000 men you know exactly. like that are innocent like that that to me is where it's like okay we got to wait for the facts a little bit you know yep yep and yeah like you were saying you know out of 100 people even if you use the two percent you know now two people okay mm-hmm. now they're in jail you know and or in prison and prison is not great for that type of offense oh yeah you know so you you ruin that person's life but i think that comes full circle with how do I want to say this? They don't, they value a cause more than what they can value life itself. And this is obvious with, obvious with abortion, mm-hmm. but even with the me too movement, they're more concerned about the cause than what they are with finding out the facts about what happened. And they're willing to throw away innocent people into prison just to push their narrative and to push their cause. Right. And that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is, that is just so gross. And I, I also think that's, that's part of that whole mentality with, you know, going back to manhood. And eventually I would like to write on womanhood, mm-hmm. even though I'm an expert by any means. But uh, um, just what it means to be, you know, a godly woman. But uh, coming back to that, that's just, uh, I don't know. Now I'm off track. This yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, it's just a conversation. But, it's all good. Yeah. No, but... Uh, I think if you're willing to devalue life that much, mm-hmm. then um, other people, yeah, that's what I was getting to. Then other people see that and your cause loses its focus. And now the Me Too slogan is literally a joke. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. And you I, can see it over the internet as sad as it is. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, e- you know, even taking that mentality over to issues like abortion and that sort of thing, it's like <laughs> I feel we, ha- we have to – not that we have to compromise our beliefs by, it, by any means right. – but there has to be some sort of compromise if we actually want to accomplish anything, right? So, like, my thinking is I'd rather take baby steps in the right direction than take no steps at all, right? And right. so – but what's happened is that even with that, it's – we can't get anywhere because it's not – it's never going to be good enough for the right, which I agree with. But we got to head in a certain direction. And then on the left, any ground that they that they give up is it's like well they're giving up their whole cause so for like for example i believe it was a year or two ago um the state of texas was voting on requiring abortion clinics 
to have elevators big enough to fit a stretcher in in case there was an emergency. And mm-hmm. the argument from the left was, well, th- that's going to eliminate that's going to uh, uh, eliminate certain abortion clinics because there weren't elevators big enough, and so now you're just trying to eliminate abortions altogether. It's like, well, that's a safety thing. Like that's right. something that we can agree on. Like that is a safety thing. Or you yeah. know, or also, it's like, when does life begin? Like obviously, whether a baby's inside the womb or outside the womb at eight months, it could survive. Like, we yeah. should be able to agree on something like that. But it's like, you can't vote on that because now you're giving up ground. It's just, it's this kind of crazy mentality that's going on both on the left and the right in all reality. And I, I think it's, uh, in a sense, it's a religion. Mm-hmm. It's a worship of self. Because now if you have that ability to have an abortion and not have any consequences, well, yeah, have an abortion and not have any consequences, then you're able to have sex and not have any consequences, right? Mm-hmm. So you're able to go out and do whatever you want. So worship self. Um, and again, it's being lazy. You no longer have to be accountable for yourself. You can do what you want. You don't have anybody looking over your shoulder. There is no God, so therefore, you don't have to worry about what happens in the afterlife, so why not live life now, mm-hmm. right? And then on the other side, you have the responsibility to be a good person. You know, you have... Um, you have consequences for your actions. We believe in God. There are consequences once you hit your final destination. Mm-hmm. And we believe that life is life. And the thing that just drives me nuts is a little off topic, but yeah, no, go for if it. They were to find what was inside, you know, like in the womb, if they were to find that on Mars, mm-hmm. it would be all over the papers that we found life on Mars. Yep. All over. And that's the double standard is just nuts. Yeah. And it all comes back to the narrative. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's um, it's really sad to that when these facts are presented, and you know, I would hope that it's in the best light possible. You know, mm-hmm. that people don't care because it doesn't suit their lifestyle. It doesn't suit the way they want to live. Oh, well, that means I have to take responsibility, or ooh, I might have to wait till marriage. You know. Oh, I don't want to do that. That's hard. That's mm-hmm. too hard. Yeah. Is it? No, no. It just drives me nuts. It's yeah. sad. Yeah, for sure. Now, now with with I want to kind of get into some of your belief systems and and that sort of thing as well. Sure. So, um, so when you're talking about because obviously we're we're getting into a lot of you know like political social kind of issues. Where where what's your main focus when it comes to your kind of political ideology and how that relates to your faith and how that influences kind of everything? Like what's your, what's your main influence when it comes to how you deal with politics and social issues and that sort and that sort of thing? Like emotionally or just like, well, well like, like for, like, uh, like for example, uh, w- would you consider yourself to be more libertarian, more conservative? Um, like kind of what people are you looking up to reading that sort of thing? So um, I would say that I'm more so along the lines of a conservative, um, but also I was I would say a little bit of a liberal conservative. I believe people should have the right to do what they want to do in their own house or mm-hmm. whatever, as long as it doesn't hurt me. You know, I, I yeah. can't remember off the top of my head who said it, but uh, um, your rights end where another man's nose begins, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's that's mainly how. America should be ruled. Um, my, you know, I'm a Christian. 
I take the literal word of God, you know, as truth. And, uh, but if somebody doesn't want to do that and they want to do drugs, you know, to a point where they won't affect other people or do, you know, drink or whatever in their own confined home, go for it. That's mm-hmm. not my business. Okay. But then the second that that threatens the life of another person, that's when I have issues mm-hmm. so, because when that stuff starts spilling over into the world and that's kind of where I stand with a lot of things like, um, people, I, I like Ben Shapiro, um, Michael Knowles, mm-hmm. um, Brandon house. I mentioned, um, there was, uh, Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. kind of, uh, people along those lines. And yeah, guess what? Ben Shapiro is a Jew. Michael Knowles is Catholic. Andrew Clavin has some definitely like thoughts about, you know, Protestant faith that I just don't agree with. Right. But you know what? When you get these ideas and where they're coming from, from the political realm, then you can kind of see what they're seeing and you can come together on certain ideas. Mm-hmm. Now we come together on, you know, like in the Catholic faith, would we come together on baptism? No, mm-hmm. probably not. We disagree on that. You know, we'd cite scripture at each other all day long. Or uh, Ben Shapiro, would I agree? You know, we obviously wouldn't agree with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Things that we're going to disagree with, but we should be able to have a conversation about things that are happening politically or that we're seeing in the church. Like, we could still discuss, hey, I've noticed, like, you know, church isn't as traditional as what it has been. And he would, you know, stay the same or whatever, you know, depending on where you go. There's things you can talk about, but then those are for a certain time and it's for a certain space. You're not meant to compromise, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, certain things. You're never supposed to compromise on what the Bible says. Right. hundred percent. And I think like, like, I, you know, I, I'm totally with you on a lot of those people that you, you know, follow and all that sort of stuff. Like Ben Shapiro, like I listen to his podcast almost every day and that sort of thing. Um, sure. And, but like one thing that I've noticed is that I feel like the church is, it's almost like it, it want, it's not in the world but it's of it a lot of times. And oh, I feel yeah. and I yeah. feel like the church is failing in the sense of we're not having an honest voice in the conversation out in the world. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot, we have the answers and but we're not we're not participating in the conversation. And you know? that's where huh. I don't know. I don't want my head to get so big that I can't walk out the door. <laughs> that's where I would like to say that I could I would want to step in. Yeah. I'd want to uh, close that bridge, that gri- gap, because right now there's politics, then there's church, mm-hmm. culture. Well, there should be, and there is, there's ways to bring all that stuff together. Mm-hmm. Like um, with my papers on manhood, uh, I tied with, you know, how this is happening in our politics, or, or that's what my next paper will be on. Yeah. And, um, you know, how the culture has fallen, how suicide rates have gone up since we've lost purpose. And how that all ties in with the Bible and certain people that were in there. Um, I think I said it. Noah was one of them, you know, or even Peter. People that were able to take a stand. And, you know, many of them were killed for it. The Bible is littered with people like that. And um, being able to apply that, take that, and then push that into politics. And how the Republican Party is just... They could grow a spine yeah. at any moment now. I uh-huh. would just appreciate that. Yep. And nobody's willing to stand up. 
Right. And that's kind of the voice I want to be able to, okay, yeah, I'm a Republican, but where does that fit in? Well, this is where in scripture that this should fit in. This is why you believe that this matters. Um, like the Tower of Babel, I think, is a really cool um, analogy for both the left and the right. Like God told us to disperse and, you know, go out. But uh, man wanted to stay together and work on their own ideas and, you know, keep everything the same for everyone, work toward a common goal, right? Well, that to me is socialism. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Where capitalism... God wanted you, everyone to spread out, make lives for themselves, go conquer the world. You know, that's what capitalism is. And I thought that that was just such a, a amazing story of how God was like, no, you're not meant to be a human collective. Mm-hmm. You're meant to go out and be individuals. Everybody can talk differently now. Yeah. You know, and so I thought that was really neat. But it's in the Bible supports, like I said, Amer- I mean, America's built off of Christian Judeo belief system. You tear out that belief system. You have nothing. You, like, what, you, it, you, in all reality, you have what we're starting to see today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And oh, man. And granted, it's bad now. Mm-hmm. But I think it can get a lot worse. Right. It's it definitely can. I mean, America's an amazing place, but the the pathway that we're headed down can be pretty dangerous. Or it sure looks dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, and I think being able to tie that together um, is is pretty important. And I understand. Um, well, I shouldn't say I understand, but I'm pretty sure the, the culture war is kind of lost mm-hmm. at that. Um, but being that we're Christians and as a church. By no means do we have to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a part of that culture. Yeah. And um, I, uh, part of my family is a little bit on the Mennonite Amish side. Okay. They still have their own communities. They still have their own, um, their own culture in a sense. And as Christians, we should be just set apart, like you know, not as isolated, but mm-hmm. we, people should be able to know who we are because we set ourselves apart from the world. Right. I think that's what's being lost. Everybody wants to be on the in crowd. Everybody wants to be accepted. I mean, you see it over social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the likes, the retweets, this all matters. I need this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hi. And that's, we've replaced getting likes with getting a job. Right. You know, they're making something of yourself in real life rather than over the web. Total, totally agree. Now, I'll, I'll push you a little bit. Uh, so with, with your, with, you know, like we're talking about, you know, the church should have a voice, church should be involved with politics, you know, that sort of thing. Where are you on the church being involved in legislating morality? Cause I, cause I feel like historically we've had it where you kind of had the Jerry Falwell crowd and that sort of thing that was, you know, nineties, early two thousands. It was like, we got to be involved. We got to push our narrative and what the Bible says is right and wrong. We got to pass those laws. And then now I feel like we're on the total opposite end of there are no laws and we don't even know what's true anymore. So where right. where are you in the sense of if the church is going to have a voice, what should the church be having a voice on? Well, definitely. I, th- I think I think it should definitely have a voice more up on, in the morality sense of things um, just because you take away the scripture. Mm-hmm. What do you base morality on? Yeah. There's nothing like, well— Everybody's kind of just born this way. Well, no, they're not. You go out to some tribes over in Ethiopia or, you know, 
back in the day, people were eating each other, killing each other, sacrificing each other. You had to have a common ground. That's why the Christian Judeo belief system of what was Europe and, you know, what is, you know, was America, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's what was so important. That's what led to that. And uh, you take the Bible away from that, and that's part of the collapse you see. And that's why I think it needs to be implemented more so in legislature when those things do come up. Because you don't have to... You don't have to believe in the Bible to read the Bible to understand that it is a good book, right? Mm-hmm. Us as Christians, we read the Bible, and yeah, it's our history. It's our livelihood. It's how we are supposed to live our life. It's our future. It's our past. It's everything for us, right? If you were to take you know, some of that stuff out and you were trying to just go by the law and the morality you know, aspect of things, and you were to implement that sort of thing into law, you're not forcing anybody to believe in it. You're not cramming Christianity down some people's throats. You're taking something that has worked through the ages since the time of the Jews and the Hebrews all the way up that has built these great civilizations, and you're applying that to the court system. Mm-hmm. How can that be a bad thing? You take um, something like Sharia law that's been implemented a long time, you know, um, gosh, you know, since Muhammad, even a, li- you know, a little bit before that with Allah. And that's just... Uh, Look at the civilizations that that faith or that set of rules has produced. Mm-hmm. Would you rather live in America or would you rather live in Iraq? Right. It's not a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think looking at that is basis alone that we should implement parts of um, the morality and the law into legislature. Okay. Um, would it be completely awesome to implement everything into legislature? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would love that. But we can't be a, a totalitarian, you know, mm-hmm. religious um, yeah. country, you know, as our constitution states. Right. And I think that's where we as Christians need to be called to be that arm mm-hmm. of the Bible and what it says. So Right, totally. You know, and, you know I, I feel like to to a certain degree then then it comes down to what should be legislated and what shouldn't be legislated so like when we're talking about like morale legislating morality or not legislating morality like where is that line because it's like clearly and this is going to be like an extreme example but we all agree that lying is a sin right? right or or you know saying something mean to somebody is a sin but should it be should we legislate that sin or disobeying your parents should that right. should that like you know what I mean? And so that's where, uh, you know, like when a lot of people talk about you know legislating morality, what, like we have to we have to decipher okay where's that line that yep. is appropriate and not appropriate in order to really push. See, and then I would you know go back and say that I would have to do to how much, you know, to the harm that you're performing or inflicting upon that other person, you know, murdering mm-hmm. your taking a life, thieving, you're, you know, taking, you know, I think that when it comes down to, uh, lying, yes, it is bad, but what are, what's the end game of that? What is, and sometimes, yes, it can be detrimental. I mean, people can lose their jobs over it and everything totally. like that. But then I think we kind of already have something for that. You don't see it a whole lot, but I think slander mm-hmm. would be put on or libel would kind of be put under there if it's put onto a, a public scale, I guess I would yeah. say, mm-hmm. but you can tell that they, even like the stuff that's going on with Facebook with uh, 
Zuckerberg and stuff with all the court hearings with him. Mm-hmm. He's having trouble deciding, you know, well, am I a publisher or am I just a social platform? But right. I still want to monitor what everybody's saying. Yeah. I think people should have the full right to say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. And I think to the consequences. Are you are you killing somebody with your lies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and granted, I think they can lead up to something like that. Mm-hmm. If it gets to that point, well, then you're taking a life and then your consequences end up, you know, taking a life and that should be punished. Right. Hundred percent. Disagreement. No. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with like you know the neo Nazis or um, the extreme left or the extreme right. Sure, they should be able to say whatever they want to say. Mm-hmm. But the second, it kills someone. Oh yeah, is when you need to worry oh, yeah. or you seriously hurt someone. And I'm not like that guy who went and he shot. Um, a bunch of Republican, oh man, was it so senators long. or whatever it is at the yeah, base, baseball, baseball game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like everybody was blaming Bernie Sanders for his, you know, crazy rhetoric and stuff like that. It's like, okay, no, he's not the guy who went out and he did all this stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he, a person needs to take responsibility for the individual that they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good question. That is tough. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean. There are things that should not be regulated as much as mm-hmm. they think or yeah. as much as they disagree with well, them. Right. Well, that that's kind of where, you know, from my perspective, I end up being more on the libertarian side when it comes to, like, politics, not when it comes to outside of politics. But because to me, I feel like we have the Constitution and we have we have certain laws and certain parameters. Um, and and then from there, you know, for example, I don't I don't. If it was up to me, obviously Christianity would be the, the national religion and whatever it is. But at the same time, if we re, if we truly want freedom of religion, we mm-hmm. have to defend the freedom of religion of Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses and atheists and all that kind of stuff. And it's it kind of sucks as a Christian to have to to have to do that. But at the same time, it's like I'd rather have the freedom to go share the gospel with those people instead of forcing them legally to convert why don't yeah. we just have the freedom so that way i can go share the gospel with them and we'll do things that way you know Absolutely. you know it's, it's kind of one of those things and i know bench Shapiro says this all the time it's like the government sucks at everything so let's get them out <laughs> as well, much exactly. as possible yeah. oh man we could limit the government to like 30 people oh yeah that, that would be awesome yeah yeah no yeah. that would just be and yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, the Constitution, as in, as our ruling us as a government, has worked out very well. Mm-hmm. And as long as we stick to it, I think it will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think um, everybody needs the right to practice um, what it is that they are practicing. But we need to have that underlying foundation set mm-hmm. for um, what the Constitution was built on, right? And everything that so mm-hmm. yeah okay for sure and then uh and then we'll p- probably start kind of wrapping up a little bit but i was but i wanted to ask you so you know and again because you know you're you know following politics you're involved with that side of things as well as within like you know christianity and the church and that sort of thing as well you know there's this kind of divide even within the church when it comes to not only just Trump, but also what's going on with, you know, kind of socialism infiltrating in, you've really got that huge right now with 
like the Southern Baptist, uh, you know, convention and all that kind of stuff. So how, how should Christians that are on the conservative side be kind of wading those waters? Do you think of, okay, we don't want to be so involved with politics that we're, we're losing our faith, but at the same time, we don't, we're allowing all this leftist ideology infiltrating the church. It's like, how how do you, how do you win in all reality? You know? Uh, Yeah. Oh man, this came up so big in uh, 2016 when Trump was, ended up being the candidate. I mean, I was Ted Cruz guy. Uh When Trump came up as the primary, I was like, (laughs) oh man, I'm probably just going to sit at home. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it was, you heard that all over, you know, like, well, what do I do? Do I compromise on my beliefs? and vote for this, you know, for this guy, or do, do I have to vote for him because, you know, Hillary's the end. Right. You, and you, you felt a lot of that turmoil and stuff. And it was like, or newsflash, you can keep them separated. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can go out and you can vote for this guy. Trump is not meant to be the pastor of America. Mm-hmm. He's not meant to be your preacher. He's not meant to be your father figure. He's meant to run the country. He's a business, you know, runs a good business. I mean, he's done pretty well for himself, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I, some of his policies and stuff that he speaks about are, you know, decent and stuff like that. Yeah, I can get behind that. But if I'm, you know, as a Christian, am I going to stand behind him and his, you know, his moral decisions? No, yeah. not at all. Would I have him be my pastor? No, mm-hmm. you know, nothing of the sort. And, they're two different spectrums and people need to realize that these are two separate playing fields. You need to understand that America needs to be run a certain way. And the guy who's going to be doing that and, you know, is going to be able to say the things to get that done is not going to be someone that you want to, you know, bring to your family dinner. You just have to accept that. And yeah, you can keep your, your, your faith because you're not, you're not setting him up to be a moral compass. And that's, what has just driven me nuts with like the, um, we, we have made the president position into such a celebrity position that it has um, degraded what his actual job actually is. The elections have, and you saw it so much. I mean, the the debates and stuff were mm-hmm. televised on such a grand scale. It was like. Okay, am I watching the election or am I watching um, like the Emmys? Right. You know, and I think that's just destroyed it because then people are so focused on who's popular or like how how the other person can bash the other person so bad. Like, oh, you're just a puppet. No, you're a puppet. It's like, (laughs) oh, great. This is telling me so much about your policies right now. I appreciate this, and I think we need to cut down the grandstanding of what the president is. I think. It needs to be taken down more to, uh, you know, a working class kind of guy who's, yeah, he may not have all the experience in the politics, but he knows how to run certain things. He's got ideas. We need to get behind those ideas mm-hmm. and push. Like, do, do I like what Trump says? No, not at all. <laughs> but his policies and stuff. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a very very conservative couple of years, and oh, it's yeah. been great. So. It, as Shapiro says, Trump says stuff and then he does stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's that kind of separation. But like, you know, but then you get guys kind of like Matt Chandler who come out and say that the church has lost its soul for electing <laughs> Trump. And so it's kind of like where. It's a scapegoat, man. Yeah. What's well, so, how I feel it is. It really is. Yeah. Um, 
you want to put the blame on the church losing its way, losing its focus. Oh, well, now you have some Republican guy who's associated with the Christian base. All these people are kind of forced to vote for him or Hillary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if so now they vote for him. Well, obviously Christians have lost their way. It's definitely because of him, because he was the guy, right? Imagine if all the Christians sat at home and didn't. Mm-hmm. So then we'd be looking at this in retrospect and being like, oh, man, if the Christians would have shown up and voted, then we wouldn't have had this happen. So now they're just a bunch of spineless Christians. Mm-hmm. It would have been completely on the other side. You can you can make the scapegoat whoever you want to be. Yeah. Except for yourself, obviously, because apparently that's too hard to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, and then let's see, I think uh, I think we've kind of covered everything that we've kind of uh, talked about and that i that i wrote down and that sort of thing uh so kind of in closing what's what do you think is the biggest threat that that you feel like the church is facing overall right now and what do you think that we need to improve the most on and really focus on you know coming up in the into the future Hmm. that's a big question (laughs) how much time we got now um only only three more hours so it's all good (laughs) enough uh, honestly it's context i would say context has been lost so much and uh, granted i was kind of this way too when i was in high school um i oh well i read the passage this way and this is the way it means to me because um you know this word could mean this in so many different ways and that's that just makes me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's being implemented in a lot of churches and a lot of churches are preaching um, certain Bible verses that are meant to be like strict and to the point. And a uh, s- simple example would be uh, in, oh man, it's the parable about um, the leaven bread. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Thank you. So <laughs> You've people, got your own fact checker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of nice. Yeah. When everybody's talking about that, they're like, oh, the, you know, the, the, the spiritual holiness is supposed to permeate and be like leaven all across. You know, it's supposed to feel good. Well, if you look at the history of the Bible and in the context, you know, for the Jews, leaven wasn't a good thing. I mean, they were supposed to keep cut that out. Mm-hmm. It's never referred to as a good thing in the Bible. So, why all of a sudden are we portraying it as, you know, oh, it's the goodness of the Holy Spirit covering about when in all reality, are you not thinking that it's maybe like the sinfulness of the world permeating into the church mm-hmm. and listening it? And I think that us losing the context has changed the Bible to be a lot more fluff than what it really is. If people were to dig in and get the context of when it was written, what people were talking like at the time, what language was spoken, what certain words meant in like those certain dialects. And not only that, but like, I mean, the apostles, they're all different people, right? Mm -hmm. They all have different personalities. They all have different ways of talking. You know, you read through like James and you feel like you just got beat up, right? (laughs) Then you read through someone else and you're like, oh, well, this ain't so bad. But, and some of their stuff, they're saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that uh, people talk differently. Some people are straight to the point and other people are more, you know, they're talking to have a different audience mm-hmm. or, you know, who was the audience they were talking to. 
they're, they're talking to believers, non-believers, the disciples, you know, all this comes into account. And once you lose focus of that, you can make the words say whatever you want them to say. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bible is pick or the Bible, the church is picking and choosing what it wants to believe out of the Bible. And I think that that is the biggest mistake that um, our church faces today. Um, I am very well read in Genesis and very well read in the concept of evolution versus creation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just destroying the church. I, um, you see the context being taken out. People want to fit thousand years in between the verses. Well, will it work? No, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and they do, they don't just do it to Genesis. They do it to the entire Bible. And the second you start compromising in one section, you have every right to compromise in the rest of the section. Mm-hmm. And that's, not how it was intended. Exactly. Well, you know, and, and, and I think, and I think too, that kind of takes us full circle back to what we were saying in the beginning, where mm-hmm. it's like everybody has their preset worldview. Yeah. And then, and then, like with scripture, you're taking that worldview and you're fitting evolution or leftist agendas or socialism or whatever it is yeah. into the Bible. And it's like, hold on, take your back your worldview a little bit. You got to yep. you, you got to base your worldview on scripture, not base scripture on your worldview, and that's yep. where I think that the church is really failing right now. Absolutely, and I think the men in our church and the men in our families need to step up. Mm-hmm. They need to start raising their kids right, you not let them get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. This is what the Bible says. This is why it says it. Like when I was punished, I was punished quite a bit. <laughs> uh, Who you? Yeah, I know it's weird, right? Yeah. Uh, but my dad never said, "Don't do that." Well, why? This is why you don't do it. He never said, well, you don't do it because I said so. Mm -hmm. He never said that. He always had some sort of scripture or some sort of reasoning. You know, I mean, obviously, the Bible doesn't tell you to put your hand on an oven, you know. Yeah. But for, for like, the other stuff, God was like, well, this verse says you don't do that. This is why you don't do that. This is why I'm punishing you. At the time, I was like, oh, man, you know, like, this sucks. Why? But then... uh, now, like, I'm still pretty young, but I would like to think, like, I can look back on that and be like, you know what? He made me into who I am today, and uh, I guess what you see is what you get. Totally. But being able to stand up, so. Mm-hmm. For sure, totally. So, you know, you know, like I was saying in the beginning, I'm, re- I'm really glad that, you know, I have we, I was able to bring you on, and you can be writing for the gatekeepers and, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm glad that we're, everybody's kind of getting a chance to get to know you a little bit. And we'll, def- we'll definitely have to do this again when some more issues are coming up. We can kind of cover those Absolutely. and that sort of thing. So where can people follow you on the social medias? So you can follow me on Twitter. It's at straight white shoe. And that is S-T-R-8, like the number. Mm-hmm. W-H-I-T-E-S-H-O-E-E. So... Yeah, feel free to message me. I'm always down for a conversation. Um, I do work another job other than this, so <laughs> I'm very busy. You mean you don't work full time on Twitter? <laughs> uh, no, not yet. Not yeah. yet. Uh, maybe someday. Yes. No, yeah. I love what I do, but there you no, go. No, yeah. Eventually, uh, once things settle down here within a couple of years, mm-hmm. I get going and start up my own thing. So totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There you go. So, but yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally glad to have you on board and glad, glad we could sit down and do this conversation. And then Absolutely. for, for, for everybody else 
out there as well. You can follow me at Jeff the GK on Twitter. You can follow both of us uh, at gatekeepersonline.com. Read read the articles. We try to put out stuff whenever we can. And thanks so much, Shu, for uh, sitting down with me. And glad we could have this talk. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Totally. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org.